I'm Derek Walker, the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church, and we are in a series on the book of Revelation. Actually, it's going to be in 28 parts. This is part 20. And so far, we've been going through the book of Revelation, and we've reached Revelation chapter 19, which describes the climactic event of all history, the return of Jesus Christ in power and glory to establish his reign upon the earth. But before we go any further in the book of Revelation, I want to give a review, an overview of the whole book up to this point so that we can look at it as a whole and see how it all connects together to give a vivid description of the climax of the age. The book of Revelation reveals the sequence of future events in chronological order, starting with first the, the vision of Christ, the risen Christ in Revelation 1, followed by the revelation of the church age in chapters 2 and 3, and then the tribulation or the day of the Lord, which really covers from chapter 4 to 18. And then the second coming of Christ in chapter 19, followed by the millennium in chapter 20, and the great white throne judgment, and then followed by the final judgment, as I said in chapter 20, and then the eternal state in chapters 21 and 22. And so the book starts in Revelation 1.1, saying the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. That means not just that it, it's a revelation that comes from Jesus Christ, but he is the object of the revelation. It's all about him. It reveals what, Je what Jesus is like and what he will do in the future to bring history to its climax and all things to their fulfillment. It reveals Jesus in all his power and glory as the judge and rightful king of the earth as well as the deliverer and the savior of his people. It reveals him as the God of righteousness and justice as well as the God of love and mercy. Remember, it's primarily a revelation of Christ, not the Antichrist. It's given so that we may know Christ better. The other characters in the book form the background against which the glory of Christ is revealed. And that's why Revelation 19.10 says, Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In Revelation 1, the book begins dramatically with John having an open vision of the risen Christ, the glorified Christ who introduces himself as the sovereign Lord of the past, present and future, the one who's conquered death for us. It says, I am the first and the last, said Jesus. I am he who lives and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. He's the God-man, you see. Who, the first and last is a divine title. But it was as a man that he died and rose again for our salvation. The risen Christ then tells John in Revelation 1.19, Write, one, the things which you've seen, two, the things which are now, and three, the things which will take place after this. And this gives us an outline summary of the whole book of Revelation. The things which you have seen, that's the vision of Christ in Revelation 1. The things which are now, that's the church age in chapters 2 and 3. The things which will take place after this, after the church age, that's described in Revelations 4 to the end. And that includes the tribulation, the second coming of Christ, the millennium, and the eternal state. Then in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 are the seven letters to the seven churches dictated by Christ. And they also give an accurate typological prophecy of the seven phases of the church age. And this corresponds to the things which are now, the present church age. If you want to study this further, you could get my book, A Panorama of Prophecy, which explains this in detail. You can order it through our website shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk. 
Then Revelation 4.1 marks the transition to the things which will take place after this, that is, the time after the church age. Because it says, after these things, that's the seven letters describing the church age, I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. So in Revelation 4, John is taken up to heaven and transported into the future, to the future day of the Lord or tribulation. He immediately sees the throne room and the resurrected and raptured church there represented by the 24 elders who sing about how they've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb from every tribe, tongue and nation and have been made kings and priests to our God. In the rapture, Jesus comes for his bride, but rather than coming to the earth's surface, we rise to meet him in the air. He only places his feet on the earth to take possession of it at his return at the end of the tribulation. The rapture can be seen as the first or initial phase of his second coming, which is completed when he returns in power and glory to judge the wicked and establish his kingdom. Next, Revelation chapter 5 gives the key to understand what's happening in the main section of the book from chapter 6 to 19, which describe the tribulation day of the Lord uh, in Revelation 6 to 18, and his second coming, or the great and awesome day of the Lord, in Revelation 19. Revelation 5 introduces the scroll with seven seals, which is the title deed of the earth. The Lamb has redeemed and purchased the earth and all its inhabitants with his blood, and therefore he's the only one who has the right to take possession of the earth and establish his kingdom here, and remove from the earth all the rebellious ones who are against him, whether men, angels, or demons. Because his right to rule the earth is challenged by the kingdom of darkness, before he takes action, the Redeemer is required by righteousness to break open the seals and reveal the contents of the scroll, the title deed of the earth, to legally establish his right to rule his purchased possession by force. So Revelation 5 reveals the Lamb of God, who is also the Lion of Judah, and establishes his right to break the seals and open the scroll. He's shown as standing, not sitting, on the throne, which according to Psalm 110 signifies the time has now come to forcefully defeat and dethrone his enemies and put them under his feet. It says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And that's what he starts to do in the tribulation, which would be better defined by the term the day of the Lord, because it's a time of divine intervention, judgment, and wrath against his enemies. He does this over seven years of escalating judgments leading up to the second coming, rather than in a single overwhelming judgment. Why? Because he wants to save as many people as possible. Then in Revelation 6, he breaks the first six seals quickly in succession, thus opening the sealed title deed, proving his right to exercise power over every earthly realm. This takes place very soon after the rapture, right at the start of the tribulation, because there is no sense of delay between the revelation of the church in heaven in Revelation 4 and the seals being broken and the book being opened in Revelation 6. As soon as each seal is opened in heaven, devastation is released upon the earth in different realms, in all the different realms. This means as soon as Christ proves his right to judge a realm by opening that part of the scroll, he immediately starts to take action by judging that realm. And it's Christ's actions in opening the seals in Revelation 6 which initiate the time of tribulation on the earth. And this proves that the tribulation, the whole tribulation, 
right from the start is a time of divine judgment because what happens on earth is initiated from heaven. In other words, the tribulation is the same period of time as the day of the Lord, the time when God moves in judgment at the close of the age. This proves the rapture must be before the tribulation because the whole tribulation, starting with the first seal, is a time of divine wrath and judgment. And the Bible is clear that the church is not appointed for wrath but for salvation and that Jesus will come and save us from the time of wrath that is coming on the earth. Now in the judgments of the first six seals in Revelation 6 which initiate this tribulation, Christ withdraws his hand of restraining mercy and sustaining grace from all the realms of the earth and world system in succession, pulling the plug on that realm. Just like a landlord who starts the process of evicting evil tenants by cutting off their supply of gas and electricity and water. You see the world has been saying to God, leave us alone, we don't want you. And finally God will say, okay, have it your way. See what life is like without my presence. And as he diminishes the level of his common grace in every area of life on earth, then it descends into darkness and chaos. Unbelievers just do not realize that all happiness, peace, love derive from God's grace. And that by rejecting God, they're re rejecting the source of all goodness. And hell really is living in the absence of the goodness of God, a total emptiness and darkness. And in the tribulation, the world will start to experience what life is really like without God. Now, the judgments of the first six seals are not one-off events, but they continue throughout the tribulation to the end, as Christ increasingly withdraws his hand of mercy from that realm. In Matthew 24, Jesus described the effect of these judgments as birth pains which suddenly start all at once and continue to intensify until the birth of the kingdom of God on the earth at Christ's return. Just like natural birth pains. He said, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there'll be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places and all these are the beginning of sorrows, literally the beginning of birth pains. This phrase, the beginning of birth pains, indicates that they are not one-off events, but conditions that continue and intensify uh, until the climax. So as all six seals are opened together in heaven in quick succession, all the birth pains suddenly start manifesting together upon the earth, growing in intensity until the end. What happens under the six seals in Revelation 6 agrees perfectly with Jesus' description of the various birth pains in Matthew 24, verse 7 to 12, including their order. When each seal is broken, judgments are released on that specific realm of the earth and its world system, causing it to descend into increasing chaos, as God increasingly withdraws his hand of blessing and restraint from that realm. All these birth pains continue and intensify until Christ's return brings about the birth of the kingdom of God on the earth. Now the first realm is the political realm. So when the first seal is broken, God's hand of restraint is removed and the rider on the white horse is released to conquer the world. This is the Antichrist who continues in this activity of gaining world dominion until the end of the tribulation, when he'll be defeated by another rider on a white horse, the Lord Jesus Christ in Revelation 19. The second realm is the international realm. So when the second seal is broken, God removes his peace from the earth by releasing the rider on the red horse, symbolizing blood and death. 
This result, as a result, the world is plunged into world war. This agrees with Jesus' words describing the start of the tribulation, that nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. World war will break out across the world at the start of the tribulation. The third realm is the financial realm. So when the third seal is broken, God's grace is removed from the financial systems of the world, symbolized by the release of the black horse, resulting in worldwide famines which continue throughout the tribulation, which agrees with, again, Matthew 24, 7, where the next birth pain after world war is described as world war, worldwide famines. It says there'll be famines in various places. The fourth realm is the physical realm, the realm of man's physical existence. So the breaking of the fourth seal reveals a massive loss of life through the rider on the pale green horse. Even a quarter of mankind will be killed in the tribulation through famine, war, and especially disease. And this again agrees with Matthew 24, 7, which describes the next pain as pestilences in various places. And so the first four seals are also called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The fifth realm is the moral realm. So the breaking of the fifth seal results in God moving his restraining hand upon man's immorality and evil nature. And that release results in a great release of moral evil in the tribulation, even worse than what we see now. And this will be especially manifested in great persecution and martyrdom of the saints, and that's what's revealed when the fourth seal is broken. The sixth seal is the realm of nature. So as the sixth seal is broken, there's a vision of earthquakes and other convulsions of nature and even signs in the heavens. And that again agrees with Matthew 24, 7 and earthquakes in various places. And in Luke's account, he talks about signs in the heavens. As with all these seals, these disturbances of nature will continue and intensify throughout the tribulation until their climax at the second coming. In fact, the vision that's given in connection with the sixth seal in Revelation 6, uh, verse 12 to 17, uh, corresponds to what happens under the seventh bowl of wrath, just before the second coming of Christ. And you read that in Revelation 16. So although the seal is broken at the start of the tribulation, the vision that shows the consequence of this seal being broken actually reveals the final manifestation of this kind of uh, birth pains in the realm of nature, um, it, it reveals the final manifestation of the birth pains that it releases at the end of the tribulation. And so in other words, the birth pains that's released by the seal increases in intensity until its climax at just before the second coming of Christ. And the vision shows the climactic event of that. Revelation 6 ends with the people hiding their face from the face of Christ as he appears in glory at the start of the great and terrible day of the Lord. And they're crying out, for the great day of his wrath has come. And who is able to stand? Now, Revelation 7, immediately following, gives the answer to this key question. It describes an interlude of time before the seventh seal is broken in Revelation 8.1. And during this time, we see 144,000 evangelists from the 12 tribes of Israel being prepared, anointed, and sealed for their special mission of spearheading the preaching of the gospel in the tribulation. Remember, the church has already been raptured, so there is no other witnesses around. God has to raise up a new group of witnesses. And 
of course, these, these Jews particularly will, will, will know the Bible and will, like the Apostle Paul, will suddenly realize that the New Testament is true, that Jesus is the Messiah. And God quickly turns them into anointed preachers. And so, uh, the breaking of the seventh seal that happens in a minute, in a bit later, it releases the seven trumpet judgments. And this is an escalation in judgment, for these are direct judgments of God upon the earth, rather than God just withdrawing uh, his restraining and sustaining hand, that, as he did in the first six seals. Well, the first in, in Revelation 7, the first four trumpet angels are forbidden to blow their trumpets until the 144,000 have been sealed. And this indicates, you see, that the sealing puts them under divine protection while they fulfill their ministry during the time of those trumpets. And so there will be a time delay of probably a few months between the breaking of the first six seals right at the start of the tribulation and the breaking of the seventh seal, which then releases the seven trumpets. And during this time, as I say, the 144,000 are being saved, they're being prepared, they, uh, they are then being sealed, and then once they begin their ministry on earth, um, once they're sealed, they will begin their ministry on earth. Um, and now that it's time for the seventh seal to be broken, because now they're under protection, it's okay now to go ahead with the judgments. And so, once those 144,000 are sealed and begin their ministry on earth, at the same time, the seventh seal is broken, and the first trumpet is blown in heaven. And that's chapter 8, verse 1. Their ministry in the midst of these judgments will result in great multitudes of people getting saved in the tribulation from every nation. As Jesus said, the gospel will be preached in every nation, and then the final end will come. And John describes this multitude of people who have been saved in chapter 7, verse 9 to 17. So Revelation 7 reveals that in the midst of all the judgments, one of God's main purposes for the tribulation is the final soul harvest from the earth. So there's still hope for people to be saved in the tribulation. Those who are saved through this final outreach of God in the tribulation actually are the answer to the question posed at the end of Revelation 6, which was, the great day of his wrath has come, who is able to stand? Who can stand before God as he comes in his power and glory? And of course, the answer is those who have put their trust in Christ and received his salvation. Well, in Revelation 8 and 9, the seventh seal is opened, and then the first uh, six trumpets are blown, one after the other. Uh, we saw that the opening of the seventh seal in heaven corresponds to the start of Daniel's 70th week on earth, which is the final seven years. This happens when Israel makes a covenant with the Antichrist, and that trigger, triggers this escalation in judgment. So, as well as this marking the start of the 144,000, it also marks the start of the ministry of the two witnesses, Moses and Elijah, in the temple. And that's described in Revelation 11. And they minister for 1,260 days, which is the first half of Daniel's 70th week. The two witnesses preach the gospel from the, to Israel from the temple and to the whole world through TV because the cameras will be on them all the time because there'll never be a dull moment with those two witnesses. And these two witnesses, for example, call down the first six trumpet judgments which take place during this time. And that's why the whole world has a party when they're killed. 
Well, the seven trumpets are blown in a four plus two plus one pattern. The first four trumpets bombard the world's ecosystem. But the last three trumpets are even worse because they're called the three woes. The fifth and sixth trumpets release armies of demonic powers that torture and kill. And together, altogether, the first six trumpets cover the time of the first half of Daniel's 70th week. Whereas the seventh trumpet marks a further escalation in judgment because it releases all the judgments of the Great Tribulation uh, leading up to the second coming of Christ. Each trumpet is greater in intensity than the last one, the one before, until the seventh trumpet, which completes all the judgments of the tribulation. Unlike the seal judgments, which continue and intensify throughout the tribulation, the trumpets are direct, special, one-off judgments, which last for just a limited time until the next trumpet is blown. For example, the fifth trumpet lasts for five months. Revelation 9.12 shows that the trumpets are blown in order, one after the other. It says, one woe, that's the fifth trumpet, is passed. Behold, still two more woes, that's the sixth and seventh trumpets, are coming after these things. And that's confirmed by Revelation 11.14 that says, the second woe, the sixth trumpet, is passed. Behold, the third woe, that's the seventh trumpet, is coming quickly. And so the structure, the sequencing, the chronology of the book of Revelation is governed by the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven bowls of wrath in that order. The seventh seal contains the seven trumpets, and the seventh trumpet contains the seven bowls of wrath, which take us up to the second coming of Christ. Revelation 10 is a heavenly interlude, marking the end of the first half of the tribulation when the two witnesses are killed by the Antichrist. It announces that God is about to respond with the blowing of the seventh trumpet, which contain all the remaining judgments of the rest of the tribulation until the Lord's return. That is, all the judgments of the great tribulation. And so, it will bring about the complete destruction of all the kingdoms of this world, ushering in the kingdom of God upon the earth, and the rejoicing in heaven is all about that. Then Revelation 11 tells us that it's three and a half days after the two witnesses are killed by the Antichrist that the seventh trumpet is blown, because their dead bodies are left on the Temple Mount for three and a half days while the world rejoices over them. But then after three and a half days, with the whole world watching by TV, God raises them up from the dead and they ascend to heaven as a final confirmation of their preaching. They've been preaching that Christ rose after three days. Antichrist then responds by desecrating God's temple, erecting the abomination of desolation and idol to himself for the world to worship him, and God immediately responds to this insult by blowing the seventh trumpet, for the abomination brings down desolation. That's what the abomination of desolation means, the abomination that results in desolating judgments. Revelation 12 reveals what happens immediately after the seventh trumpet is blown. The initial judgment is against Satan and his angels. For Michael and his angels cast them out of their positions of authority in the heavenlies down to the earth's surface. At the same time on earth, the woman who gave birth to Christ the man-child, who will rule the nations, flees into the wilderness of Jordan to a place prepared by God for her, where she'll be kept safe from the beast for the three and a half years of the great tribulation. This is the remnant of Israel, who now believe in Jesus Christ. And so they obeyed his warning in Matthew 24, verse 15 to 21, to flee to the mountains of Jordan, for this abomination and the seventh trumpet mark the start of the great tribulation, the worst time ever. 
we saw that Daniel 12 reveals that there's a 30-day period during which the woman must make her escape to safety. The devil, who's just been cast down to the earth, tries to destroy this fleeing woman, but God intervenes and saves her. The dragon then turns to take his anger out against all the other Jews and all the other believers in Christ around the world by persecuting and killing them, which he does in the Great Tribulation through the Antichrist. In fact, it, Revelation 13 describes the means by which he does this war against the saints, namely two beasts, the Antichrist and the false prophet, who along with the devil form a satanic trinity. After experiencing a death and resurrection, the Antichrist is quickly propelled to world dictatorship at mid-tribulation. And that lasts for 1,260 days until Jesus returns. He achieves total financial and religious power as well as political power, for the whole world worships him. And this is enforced by the false prophet who requires everyone to take the mark of the beast, without which they can't buy or sell. In scripture, this mark is always mentioned in connection with the image of the beast, indicating that taking the mark involves an act of worship of, and declaration of loyal, ultimate loyalty to the beast, accepting him as Lord and God. And anyone who refuses to do this will be put to death, resulting in many martyrdoms, because of course the true believers will, not, will refuse to bow to the Antichrist as God. Revelation 14 contains seven visions, warning unbelievers to repent uh, and encouraging believers to stay faithful by revealing the final destinies of the different groups of people in the tribulation. And then Revelation 15 and 16 describe the seven bowls of wrath that will be poured out in the great tribulation under the seventh trumpet. And that, that climaxes in the sixth bowl of wrath, which initiates the war of Armageddon in the last few weeks. And the seventh bowl, which causes the destruction of the final form of Babylon the Great, Antichrist world capital and empire, two days before the second coming of Christ. After describing the destruction of mystery Babylon, the previous form of Babylon the Great, by the beast at mid-tribulation in Revelation 17, Revelation 18 describes in great detail this final destruction of Babylon the Great by the seventh bowl. And this prepares the way for the climax in Revelation 19, the return of Christ, which brings the tribulation to an end, and Christ sets up his kingdom on the earth. If you want to know more about end time prophecy and the book of Revelation, can I recommend my big reference book called The uh, Panorama of Prophecy? It's over 600 pages and we've produced it in a large size version which makes it more enjoyable to read with a bigger print and uh, it's available uh, for 40 pounds and uh, this will be a book to, to have for a lifetime. Of course, if you want to pay a little less, uh, you can buy the, uh, the book in half this size, in the A5 version, and that, and that will be, I think, £15. So again, take the Word of God into you. Study it in depth, and this will be a good place to really get the whole revelation of Bible prophecy. Thank you for watching. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. 
You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.